Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, Johnson's Air Conditioning. Give them a call. They do a great job. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. I want to just start off by saying that for the last couple of shows, I got a corrupted file when I tried to to, uh, save the file from my audio from... Uh, Adobe Audition. So I'm hopeful that I got the problem solved and uh, this will end up being posted. We'll think good thoughts for me uh, (laughs) when I try and save the the show at the end of the show. Um, Today we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo in Madison, Wisconsin. And Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be with us as well. It is August the 25th, and on this day in 325, the Council of Nicaea, the first ecumenical debate held by the early Christian Church, concluded with the establishment of the Doctrine of the Holy Trinity, convened by Roman Emperor Constantine I in May. The Council also deemed the Arian belief of Christ as inferior to God as heretical, thus resolving an early Church crisis. The controversy began when Arius, an Alexandrian priest, questioned the full divinity of Christ because, unlike God, Christ was born and had a beginning. What began as an academic theological debate spread to Christian congregations throughout the empire, threatening a schism in the early Christian church. Roman Emperor Constantine I, who converted to Christianity in 312, called the bishops from all over his empire to resolve the crisis and urged the adoption of a new creed that would resolve the ambiguities uh, between Christ and God. Meeting in Nicaea as a present-day Turkey, the uh, council established the equality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Holy Trinity and asserted that only God, the Son of God became our can- incarnate as Jesus Christ. The Arian leaders were subsequently banished from the uh, church for heresy. The Emperor Constantine pre- presided over the opening of the council and contributed to the discussion. Uh, the Nicene Creed, of course, stands today the Holy Trinity. In 325 AD, while Florida Department of Health reported just 23 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Collier County, just 23 new cases, the county's cumulative total of COVID-19 fatalities remains at 163. At approximately 11 a.m. on Monday, there were 71 patients, uh, patients in Collier County hospitals. And the county also had 22.8% of its total hospital beds available and 37.7% of its adult ICU beds available. The seven-day average new cases dropped to 50 from a high of 221. So new cases are dropping. Certainly, uh, the flattening the curve, the real focus should be on the number of hospital beds available so healthcare doesn't get overwhelmed, and that's certainly the case right now. The big challenge, of course, schools opening on August the 31st. What will happen to new cases then? We'll be standing by and watching. Meanwhile, Florida's daily positivity rate for the coronavirus this weekend fell to a level not reported since mid-June. Florida's Department of Health reported that the positivity rate for the coronavirus fell to 4.89% on Saturday. That rate was uh, last at such a low level on June the 13th, and health experts consider a positivity rate below 5% as meaning the virus is under control. Uh, Here's a quote, Florida's update. Percent positive today is 4.89%. This means the outbreak is officially over in Florida with a fraction of New York and New Jersey's death rate. Should be a top story in uh, the country after months of Florida fear porn. And that's right, they've been attacking our Governor DeSantis uh, just mercilessly. Uh, but uh, right now he's proven so far to be right. By mo- but most of the media was completely ignoring this, that according to Clay Travis, Travis, He's a journalist uh, on Twitter of the news. Governor Ron DeSantis also tweeted of the falling rates on Friday. COVID positive hospital census down 233 patients over the past 24 hours. This is the lowest number of patients since July 30, wrote. The two-week positivity average for the staff of long-term care facilities has fallen to 1.3%. 
DeSantis and his office have repeatedly defended his response to the virus, including not issuing a statewide mask mandate. That was good. The number of new coronavirus cases in the U.S. has decreased to the lowest level in more than two months, that according to the Wall Street Journal. According to data by Johns Hopkins University, the U.S. logged 34,537 new cases on Sunday. That marked the ninth straight day with fewer than 50,000 cases. If Biden, of course, is elected, it's one size fits all and we'll all be wearing masks even outside for three months. And if Fauci recommends closing the economy, well, Biden said, hey, if the scientists say we should close, we'll close it. He's on board. Well, with only three people per 100,000 currently hospitalized with COVID-19, CDC dropped its 14-day quarantine for travelers. But, of course, uh, most states will continue. The Democrat states will keep their quarantines in place. Now, taking it to the absurd level, Maine Governor Janet Mills has ordered statewide restaurant staff to wear personal protective equipment around their necks, similar to the cones of shame that canines would sport to prevent self-injury. You've seen those big cones, upside-down cones. Well, that's what Governor Janet Mills from Maine has decided to do. Uh, if uh, employees don't want to wear masks, they have to wear that. And they only have a few cases. Unbelievable. And by the way, the NFL has 77 new positive uh, COVID-19 tests from 11 teams are examined by a New Jersey lab after false positives. And all those tests came back negative. How many, it just it begs the question, how many tests have uh, come back positive and not been retested? They should have been negative. We just don't know that. The league asked the New Jersey lab bioreference to investigate the results, and those 77 tests are being retested once more to make sure they were false positives. How many false positives have there been in Cuyahoga County or Florida? Just wondering. Well, ivermectin is an inhibitor of COVID-19 causative virus. Uh, it's uh, the single treatment able to affect 5,000-fold reduction in the virus in 48 hours in a, in a cell culture. Now, I found this on One American News, and I haven't been able to find it since, but look out for ivermectin. It's of FDA-approved for parasitic infections and therefore has the potential for repurposing. Uh, it's widely available. In fact, it costs, I think I read or, or saw in the uh, presentation, it costs something like 16 cents per uh, wholesale for treatment, per treatment. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? We, that's, I'm more interested in a therapeutic than I am in a vaccine. I'm not sure I'd like to take a vaccine. Don't know about you. Well, did you watch the RNC last night? Well, I certainly did. It was a fast-paced, informative, inspirational Reminiscent of the pride that I felt following the uh, President's uh, State of the Union address, I wasn't able to stay up for the last hour, but all speakers were prepared and nailed their uh, portions of the program. If the purpose was to motivate the base, it was extremely well done. The highlights for me were Charlie Kirk. Uh, Charlie Kirk is just terrific. He started the whole thing off. Congressman Matt Getz, Gates uh, was uh, one of the presenters. The McCloskeys. Uh, they were the ones that protecting their property, you may recall, with a video, had the guns out. Your family, they said, will not be safe in a radical Democrat America. There were some hostages freed from captivity under uh, Trump's uh, administration. Andrew Pollack, the father of the slain Parkland uh, student, Meadow Pollack, was one of the presenters. He was terrific. There was a cancer survivor, Natalie Harp. So interesting, she, this... Uh, uh, one step or the last step, well, she was uh, uh, going to die from cancer, and she actually got cured as a result of the program that the president installed, and I've forgotten the name of it now. And others telling their poignant, real-life stories. It was really a motivating, terrific program, and several of the speakers were black. Kim Klasik, you've seen that dynamic video, I'm sure, two-minute video of her, uh, a dynamic, dynamic young Republican woman running for the late Elijah Cummings congressional seat in Baltimore, set the tone by declaring the Democrats have controlled my city, Charm City, for over 50 years and have run this beautiful place into the ground. Abandoned buildings, liquor stores on every corner, drug addicts, and guns on the street. That's how the new norm is here in many neighborhoods. Uh, she's uh, bound and determined to clean it up, and uh, she has the force to do it, I believe. She's running for Congress. 
Herschel Walker spoke, the great football player from the University of Georgia. He added his personal experience after what he called a 37-year friendship with President Donald Trump. I take it as a personal insult that people would think they have a 30-year friendship with a racist. Walker said, growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump, said Herschel Walker. A couple speakers later were especially effective. Vernon Jones, a lifelong Democrat in the Georgia uh, General Assembly, showed a wicked sense of humor, saying that when Trump sought to earn the black vote, the Democratic Party leaders went crazy. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer literally started wearing kente cloth and scarves around the Capitol, he said. And Jones, is in a riff about Democrats' attacks on the police, said, it isn't, isn't it ironic that the Democrat politicians never leave home without security to protect all their themselves all the times? Why don't they forgo their security and replace them with social workers, since that's what they want for us, said uh, Vernon Jones. He was terrific. I didn't see Senator Scott, uh, Tim Scott's address, but Tim Scott from South Carolina provided a powerful finish by telling his life story, his grandfather had been forced to leave school in the third grade to pick cotton, but uh, lived long enough to see Scott becoming the first black American elected to both the House and the Senate. Our family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime, he said. That's inspiring, isn't it? And the president is clearly competing for that black vote, and he has real reasons to be optimistic. In the last election, he garnered 8% of the black vote. Wouldn't it be great if he could at least double that? I think it would. The first night of the Republican National Convention provided a platform for average Americans to share the philosophy that leads them to support the Republican Party. Uh, Molly Hemingway uh, told uh, in the Ingram Angle Monday night that uh, last week there was a lot of problems that Democrats had for, with, for the convention were related to how it was a virtual convention and the Republicans would have similar trouble as he put on their convention, Hemingway said, but there was no comparison between the RNC tonight and the Democrat convention the first uh, night last week. It was all about the substance, she said. And then there was a caller. By the way, we watched it. We were watching it on Fox News and finally turned it to C-SPAN because of they were starting to, the talking heads were interrupting this great program. So C-SPAN did a great job. No commercials. Well, anyhow, a caller called in and identified himself as a lifelong Democrat. He told the C-SPAN late Monday that he will be supporting Republicans this year after being inspired on the opening night of the Republican National Convention, citing the heartfelt way participants came across to the people. Well, so we don't know the viewership yet. The last report, I think I heard uh, there were half a million people who viewed it on C-SPAN alone. I'm not sure, but the Republicans are off to a great start. Uh, This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo, up in Tallahassee. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. What's taking you to uh, Tallahassee? Well, I... Uh had made plans to come up here after the primary because we, I was so focused on the primary. But, there, you know, the business of the state uh, still goes on. Uh, we are going to be coming back here in November for committee week, so we have to start uh, gearing up for that. Um, you know, with a change in our, our president and all the committees are going to change. And so I'm meeting with some with committee staff to, you know, talk about, uh, issues and, you know, what we anticipate, and also how are we going to manage uh, the actual running operations in terms of uh, people coming to the Capitol, uh, coming to hearings, um, how we're going to do the social distancing and all this other stuff. And so that's going to be part of what what, what I uh, talk about while I'm up here. Yeah, that's so interesting. So does the chamber itself allow social six feet apart uh, and getting everybody in there? Well, you know, I think the Senate is, is in a better position because there's only 40 of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the House is totally different. There's, you know, 120, and they are packed in there. Uh, their deaths are very close. Uh, and at least in the Senate, we have, you know, a little bit more distance uh, between our desks on the floor. The big, and, and, of course, we really won't be in the chamber much until the um, first of the year. So they'll have an organizational session in November, and that may be a little different because usually the, the rooms are packed because family members are there, people are sworn in. You've got um, members, you know, from previous years. Uh, you've got Supreme Court in there at times. I mean, there's, uh, the governor comes in, so there will probably curtail some of that in mm-hmm. you know, the organizational meetings. But um, the big key will be our committee meetings because. When we have, you know, when we have committee meetings, and they'll start right pretty soon, probably probably in November, uh, where we consider bills, we start working on the budget, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be a very um, difficult year because of the budget. So members of the public uh, typically come to those meetings to give their opinion, and um, so we're going to have to limit the number of people coming in the rooms. Yeah. So if you have a committee room that holds two hundred spectators. We're not going to be able to have 200 people there, and there's going to probably have to be, um, you know, uh, distance between chairs and whatever. Um, of course, unless the you know we get control of the virus and everybody can get um, vaccinated, we just don't know that. So, well, that's that's the key, isn't it? We're, we're yeah. seeing we're seeing yeah. the uh, uh, at least positive cases now going down dramatically, not only in Collier County, which is terrific, but also all over Florida, kind of. Uh, uh, 
uh, vindicating our governor. My gosh, he got slaughtered by the press there for a while. So things are looking good. <laughs> now, of course, kids well, going back to school, that could uh, right, bring right, back right. a different situation, but we're hopeful. Well, I think part of the thing, and I keep <clears throat> making that, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, position, the number of cases have gone down, yes. So his testing. Yeah. So, you know, you if you just look at that in a vacuum, you could always argue, well, the reason they've gone down is they're less testing. But the key is the positivity rates of those being tested uh-huh. has gone way down. Yeah. So we, I think we were under 5%, which is sort of the magic number. Um, and that, that's what we have to keep an eye on. As long as the positivity rates are going down, that's really good. Uh, and that's, that's what we use as a barometer for you know, reopening. Right. Um, but, of course, again, now that kids are going back to school, we'll see how, how that uh, pans out. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, kids, uh, people under 25, they have uh, they can become infected, but they usually they don't show symptoms at all or not. the symptoms are very mild. So uh, my vote is for let's get kids back in school and, uh, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's continue and, and let's let uh, old folks take care of themselves, quite frankly. So, Well, you know, and, and I, I, when it's, when it, I have a very... Um, you know, my position on going back to school is something that is very simple. <clears throat> if we don't have kids going back to school, they're going to start falling far and far behind. Because pay- with the uh, stimulus dollars going away and the additional job that job benefits going away, or we don't know what's going to happen with those, parents are going to ha- parents that have to work are going to go back to work. All right. And what are they going to do with their kids? Yeah. If they have financial resources. They're going to go and do what a lot of parents are doing now. Is they're, going to, they're hiring teachers away from the system and creating pods all over the country yeah. of neighbors, uh, you know, kids all together, seven or eight kids and a teacher. And these parents are paying for that. And those kids are going online and they're being managed and monitored. And they're going to learn and they're going to do really well. But what about the parents that don't have the resources to do that, to go back to work? They're going to leave their kids at home. If those kids can't go to school, they're going to stay at home. Yeah, maybe the the thirteen year old is going to take is going to monitor the nine year old kind of thing. Those yeah. kids are going to fall so far behind that it's going to be almost impossible to catch up because you know kids generally don't. I mean, I remember I was. You're not going to be disciplined enough to sit on the computer all day in school. No, of course not. And there's a, so, there's the peer pressure and all the types of things that, that play a role in the learning process. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Kathleen, uh, quite frankly, one of the great things that might come out of this is more homeschooling, more charter schools. So there's there's a great opportunity now for for change during crisis. So and and it could be good change for the positive. Hopefully, the the uh, school t- the teacher unions don't. And I know many teachers are motivated. Let's go back. Some of them are concerned because of their their health. Right. But uh, you know, we need to get these kids back to school for sure. And I, and, I, and there are there are enough teachers who who want to go back in the classroom. <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. That will can manage um, manage the the reduced population, so that I you know if the schools. Uh, um, you know, that's why I think it's better to let the districts work it out, because they can manage that, and the teachers that are not comfortable, they can do the, and should be able to do the distance learning with those kids whose parents can, you know, can afford to let them stay home. Absolutely. They just need to work it out, and, and let the districts work it out without a whole lot of political uh, machinations and the unions weighing in about this, that, and the other. I think I think I have so much respect for the teachers who they know what they need to do, Absolutely. and they don't need to be told what to do. And the districts know it, and and the parents know it. So we have all these politicians weighing in, and a lot of people who are don't have kids or their kids are grown who don't understand what's going on in the world, hooting and hollering, carrying on, and and we really should let the districts decide because they know what's best for these kids. Absolutely. I'm you know, on a roll. I, I, yeah, you know, you know, no, I like, very strongly about Well, I must say, Kathleen, we're, we're in violent agreement about these issues. So I, yeah. I, I would like to, though, before I let you go, uh, any thoughts on last night's, did you have an opportunity to watch it, and what were your thoughts? I did. I did, I you know because I drove up in the afternoon so I could watch it. I you know I think um, I'll tell you, of course I'm always a very supportive of of our women who um, are in politics, and I just thought Nikki Haley was fantastic. Uh, she was uh, mature. She didn't hoot and holler, carry on, and and she laid out um, 
the, the benefits of what uh, the Trump administration has done insofar as the economy and what could happen if um, the Democrats take over uh, the presidency. And so I thought she was great. Um, of course, my friend Matt Gates, I set, served with him in the House. You know, I, he's probably one of the most brilliant people I've uh, I've ever met, and he's a character in some ways. He was going on and on, and and I I always enjoy listening to him because he's a, a great speaker. Um, I want to hear a little bit more policy. I think last night was sort of the opening. You know, it's just uh, uh, you, you know everybody's sort of laying out their territory, but as we move uh, further in the convention, it'll be interesting to see where we, where the president wants to go in, over the next four years. Absolutely. Again, Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator, I just genuinely appreciate your taking time for us and our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you as well. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And I proudly serve on the board. They do great work. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? Well, we're under fire again. Yeah. Can you believe it? You know, I don't know what's going on. I, I, there's so many conflicting stories about why this guy was shot. And then you think shot seven times. Yeah. You know, it seems excessive. Uh, but it, it, that's all that it took to get all of these protesters, all of these demonstrators, Antifa, they're back in full force. You should see the poster that was sent online about bring water, 
you know, hydrate and destroy everything you can. Yeah. Now, for background for our listeners, uh, in case you're not aware, the uh, this is happening in Kenosha, and mm-hmm. uh, there was a stop. A guy apparently had uh, a record. He, he was told to stop by the police. He turned and walked towards his car. We don't know what happened then, but the uh, the police fired, as you pointed out, seven shots. He had his kids in the back seat of the car. Some are you know, opining that he may have been reaching for a gun. We don't know, but irrespective the uh, the optics of this entire thing were very upsetting the governor mm-hmm. you know i guess tony evers he's the the governor he had a press conference and he he drew he it was like a lynch mob i mean he, he yes. this guy was tried and convicted in 15 seconds according to the governor yeah and you know what is that game he, you know this guy is so stupid you know and it's only matched by how idiotic our mayor is so they, it was, you know, passed out that they were going to demonstrate in Kenosha and Milwaukee and Madison. So all yesterday, all the boards went up on businesses, all the plywood went back up. And our mayor said that she was sending social workers down there to diffuse the anger. That'll work. That's our first line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that no it's 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 so they did come they you know i went to bed at 10 30 they were out there you know the streets to downtown madison were closed again but uh it never really got as bad simply because there was a big thunderstorm that came in uh-huh. and i think it rained it out yeah well the governor apparently called in 125 national guard or maybe yes. state, I don't know exactly, guards who, who to uh, deploy in Kenosha. So uh, apparently he's got an appetite to help quell the storm as opposed to what's happening in Portland, Oregon. At least he's doing that. Yes, I agree. I, rather than just let it go. And yeah. I think in Oregon they thought it would fizzle out. Nope, it yeah. doesn't appear to be fizzling. I mean, these people, the Black Lives Matter and, and uh, Antifa, their intent is violence. They're not there to protest or to gain some gain the attention of the American public to do something. They want to destroy. That's pretty. Yes. It's clear in their mission. So why are we so naive about this? Our elected officials. You know, I don't know. When I look at what they have done to the businesses in downtown Madison, and what how is that further the cause? How has that made things? better for Black Lives Matter. They've destroyed small businesses. They have destroyed property. They've taken down um, statues where they painted Black Lives Matter murals. They're trying to defund the police. That is the only progress that has been made since George Floyd was killed three months ago. Yeah, It's just total chaos. Nothing positive has come through this. Unless there's legislation in individual states that we don't know about to help uh, end it. But right now, it's just all chaos and destruction. Terrible. And in the meantime, uh, this this just really (laughs) sticks in my craw here. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said the league should have listened earlier to Colin Kaepernick, the former quarterback who started the movement of kneeling during the national anthem to protest police brutality and racial inequality. Inequity. I mean, uh, you know, I realize this is not necessarily relating to our conversation, but, you know, it just, that happens. You say to yourself, do I ever want to watch an NFL game again in my life? No, 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 not NFL, NBA. Yeah. Uh, No, you know, you draw the line at a lot of those. And I, I don't think that you feel alone. I think a lot of people feel the same way that, uh, you know, enough is enough. Quit with the pandering. Uh, well, exactly. And baseball, uh, now professional baseball is doing the exact same thing. At uh, Fenway Park, they have Black Lives Matter written on the side of the, of the wall. Unbelievably, you know, I get, uh, hey, there's 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 a confluence of two things that are happening here. We have Black Lives Matter, which is Antifa-like, uh, uh, anarchic type of a, pro, uh, they want to destroy America. But at the same time, I understand that, that uh, hey, there's some issues that we have with black and white, and we need to uh, resolve those. But they're, you know, they're separate. But unfortunately, they're the same. So it's it strikes you and mm-hmm. I, I think we say, well, yeah, they, why are these people promoting anarchy? Yeah. 
I don't know. You know, we think it's bad because everybody is, clo- you know, they've closed down. There have been a lot of draconian mess- you know, uh, uh, efforts to stop this virus. This is on a little bit different note. Yeah. Just be glad that you weren't living in South Africa. Oh. For six weeks, they banned all sales of alcohol. Why? To prevent people from gathering together in bars. So rather than close individual bars, they banned the sale of alcohol and for a short time cigarettes and banned banned, um, uh, outdoor exercising. Now, you don't think that's nasty? <laughs> well, the, uh, Joe Biden says, well, heck, if Dr. Fauci said we ought to close down the, the economy, we're going to do it, he said. If that would be, he said if scientists said he'd say Fauci, but I, I, I would infer that that's what he's talking about. He also said that if, if he's elected, he's going to have everybody wear masks for three months. You know what? Why make a statement like that? It's so stupid. Whereas in Florida, of course, we have our governor saying, "Look, if they're hot spots, we're going to deal with them." But right now, Florida is kind of a diverse state. We'll deal with it uh, on hot spots. We won't have a mandate for everybody in the state. So you know, when you take a look at leadership, look what's happening in Wisconsin, what's happening in Michigan. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah, the, the 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 difference is profound. Yeah, you know, I told you when I went down, businesses are open in Florida, especially in Naples. Here, so much is still closed, and now after all these demonstrations, uh, you know, a couple of them, you know, tentatively reopened, took the plywood down, and now and. You know, Wisconsin is opening. You know, the university is opening, so there are all, all these new students coming in. I'm sure some of the parents must think, we paid all this money yeah. for these kids to go here? Are you crazy? That's yeah, so true. Again, Boo Mortz, it's always fun to find out what's on your mind. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Uh, you have a great day, Boo. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now for a great season of productions. Just go to gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. Tell us about Less Government. We exist to reduce 
size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And if you heard that, I'm sorry, my dog sneezed. <laughs> no worries, Seton. Well, uh, a great organization. You uh, write great commentary, Seton. Before we talk about that, though, I'd be interested. Did you happen to watch the uh, National uh, Republican National Convention last night? I dropped in and out. I dropped in and out of it, and it, you know, obviously on day one, Trump was smart. He now, of course, I always, I always think it's 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 the to the party's benefit to go second, right? Mm-hmm. You you see what the other party did, and it was a very dour, very negative, policy-free Democrat convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is. I think that. Uh, partly affected, at least, uh, what Trump has set up here. It was very positive. It was it was citizens from around the country, as well as elected officials, talking about uh, you know how their businesses were positively helped by Trump's policy. I mean, it was just it was a very it was it was brighter. Um, it was very smart to do it on that stage rather than having these. Uh, it just it, the, 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 from a stylistic perspective, it was bright and lots yeah. of flags and, and a very bright, brightly lit stage. And I just uh, it it kind of reminded me of you know when you watch the State of the Union and then some poor schlub from the other party has to give the response. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the president's there, and he gives the State of the Union, and they count how many applause lines there are, and, yeah. you know, it's the grandeur of walking into the House of Representatives and all that. And it's a poor guy sitting in front of a camera by himself. Yeah. You know, it's just, and that's kind of like what it felt like to me. The, 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 the Republican day one felt like a, the State of the Union versus the Democrats' response to you know, the State of the Union, even though they went first. It's so interesting that you say that, because I opened the show and made that same exact comment. I, f- I had the same sense of pride uh, af- after watching the opening of the Republican convention that I had during the President's uh, State of the Union address. It was really remarkable, and I think it's because he had people telling, it was substantive. It was uh, they, People were talking about their real-life experiences that related to the agenda for the Republican Party. What they got out of, out of the out of the Republican agenda, out of the Trump agenda, their their yeah. tactile benefit. They they could feel it, they could see it, they could they experienced it, and um, yeah. I, I look, Herschel Walker was great. Oh, wasn't he? He was fantastic. He's, he and first of all, he looks like I wish the Redskins would sign him. He still <laughs> looks like he can play. Um, I just saw some video. He ran a four three forty at fifty two. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's unbelievable. And he and Daryl Green are still <laughs> amazing. Uh, Daryl Green played cornerback for the Redskins for twenty years. Absolutely. He's still running like a four three four four. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I just it was the contrast. You know, it's amazing to watch these pundits say how what a dark and dour day one it was. The only people that's going to that are going to believe that are who people who watched literally none right. of the uh, first day because it was not dark and dour. It was now, very very. Right. Yeah, the pundits are saying no. The president should hold off and making appearances until the final day. Everybody should build up to his presentation. Well, he decides to get on stage. I don't know if you saw it during the afternoon, but I watched it, and he was speaking off the cuff, and he was absolutely fantastic. You know, everybody that says, I think, you know, people say that we should have less Trump, whether it's tweeting or in person or whatever. I think one of the main reasons you've seen a turnaround in the polls in the last month or so, not that I really believe the polls because they're, they're making news, not re- responding to news. Right. But anyway, is his return to his daily briefings. Yeah. I think his return to the daily briefings, look, I, I admit there are negatives to more Trump, but I think the positives of more Trump outweigh the negatives of more Trump, yeah. whether it's in the convention, whether it's the daily briefings, whether it's him tweeting. Yeah, to me, it's just uh, to me, it's for people that don't like what he does. I just say, hey, well, you're you're reading the words, but you're not listening to the music. The music is <laughs> absolutely very no, well. You know, I, I I said this at the very beginning. You know, these people, I hate his personality. I'm like, well, then you've never been to Queens, Brooklyn, or the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 this is who they are. This yeah. is the, you know, you hate everybody in three boroughs of the New, of New York City because that's. That's what you're getting, and it's just, it's unusual and a little jarring to people in Ohio and, you know, Minnesota. I get that. I understand that. Who've never been to New York City or have never really encountered anybody from New York City, but this is undiluted, (laughs) uh, 
undiluted Brooklyn Bronx. He's from Queens, but it's kind of the same attitude in those three boroughs. Absolutely. Um, that's why. That's why. By the way, he 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 when he barnstormed into Manhattan to do real estate, the Manhattanites were very. Oh my gosh! This is who is this bore? Who is this? Who is this person coming yeah. in? And, and uh, you know, but that's why taxi drivers love him, and firemen love him, and cops love him, and yeah. and uh, you know, it's 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 a different thing than well, we've experienced in a while. I must say, the first day really set the tone for a great convention. I'm I, uh, I'm sure it won't disappoint. But then again, the substance there, and of course, the policy he's laid out his agenda for the next four years already, just amazing. I you know, I just don't understand how anybody could decide well i'm going to vote vote for uh biden what he has there's nothing there there's no there, no uh, you know of course his his campaign is representative of, of his of his deteriorating brain yeah unfortunately look i don't want to make fun of a guy with dementia right but i didn't nominate him by you know for president of the united states yeah so you have to do it as part of the campaign um, yes, the, the, the agenda is empty because Biden's head doesn't work properly, and and it's going to be a he's going to be an empty you know he's going to be a Trojan horse for all these Marxists that'll come in, uh, in come in with him. Yeah. By the way, uh, your last few columns was really uh, singing the praises of the Ninth Circuit Court and what's transformed. Actually, it's been the President of the United States who's made these judicial appointments. It's led there to twenty nine judges. There are twenty nine judges on the Ninth Circuit. Ten of them are now Trump appointees. So, I mean, this has made a big difference, and you've, uh, again, written about the Ninth Circuit Court because another, yet another anti-Constitution California law could, again, test the Ninth Circuit Court. Could you we, we, I've written a lot about how you know, states can't regulate the Internet because it's a world wide web, and the, you know, the United States government has to have a unified policy to then go and negotiate interconnectivity mm. with the rest of the world. They can't do that if they have 42 different state policies to cobble together into some kind of, you can't get a coherent policy out of that to then go negotiate with the planet. Well, California, of course, being California, has passed a net neutrality law, they passed a data privacy law, and they're draconian and ridiculous and stupid. Well, a, a, a bunch of friends of mine have filed an amicus brief in the Eastern District Court um, of, the, of California, and its parent court is the Ninth Circuit. Mm -hmm. And what I said was, they filed it saying the California doesn't have constitutional standing for its net neutrality law. I point out that they also, that, that, that amicus brief could just be barely reworded and refiled for the law for a lawsuit against the data privacy law same reason don't have the authority and the, and the, and the parent court of the eastern district of california is the ninth circuit and they've recently ruled that uh, the federal government's purview is the exclusive purview of the internet and they've ruled previously ruled because there was a third ruling in the same week uh, as the other two we discussed last week which was California's magazine, gun magazine ban was unconstitutional. Yeah. So here we have the parent court of the Eastern District ruling, one, the Internet's the exclusive purview of the, of the federal government, and two, California's violated the Constitution on, on the Second Amendment. We can do it again on the Interstate Commerce Clause with the... Uh, so I'm hoping the Eastern District will look at these very recent rulings. You know how the, you know how the jurists love precedent, especially from higher right. courts. And, and rule and say, uh, okay, yeah, California's net neutrality law is, is, is verboten. Yeah. So, uh, see, how would you contrast and compare uh, the Ninth Circuit port Court before President became uh, before Trump oh, became oh, president? It was the most. It, it's the largest uh, of geography. There were attempts by sane people to, you know, talking talking about breaking it up because it was so big, but it was also insanely crazy. It was the most overturned. Uh, of the 13 appeals courts. Um, they were constantly ignoring the law and imposing their personal leftist policy preferences. And it, it was just crazy. And like I said, it was the most, you know, it goes from the Ninth Circuit to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was overturning the Ninth more yeah. than any other uh, appeals court of the 13. So it was crazy. And to get three rulings in a week like that, is amazing. The Qualcomm ruling against uh, the the government, calling patents monopolies, which is absurd. You had the the, the five G ruling, 
saying the Internet was the federal government's purview. You had the California ruling on the gun magazines. That's all in the same week I from know. the Ninth Circuit. Yeah, so I we, mean, again, we never would have we would have had three in a year if we were lucky prior to this. I mean, the president's done so many good things in terms of regulations and so forth. But the judicial appointments, to the 300 judicial appointments, including two Supreme Court justices, that has been absolutely amazing and uh, just so grateful. And, and, we'll, and we'll last for, you know, Unfortunately, him cutting regulations, if Biden gets elected, he can put them right back in place. Right. These judges are lifetime. They will be here for, de- in many instances, decades after Trump leaves office. Well, uh, just a, an addendum to that. He, he can't just overturn them. I mean, it, it's taken a while for the president to overturn some of the regulations that were in place that have been just draconian in the first place, like EPA and so forth. Well, the, the, but here's, remember this. It's, ta- it's taken him some time because the, the internal uh, beast has been fighting him. Yeah. They're not going to be fighting Biden yeah. putting them back in. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. Just one of the uh, initiatives they have is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And there's so much more in the area of healthcare and other areas. I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. By the way, a little shout out to uh, our advertisers here on the Bob Harden Show. I want to mention uh, Lulabee's Diner, located in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a terrific job. They're going under construction right now at the Green Tree Shopping Center. So it's a little inhibiting, but uh, when you get there, just walk right through and uh, walk in. You'll enjoy Lulabee's breakfast or lunches. They are terrific. And uh, Jerry Holacek, she's uh, got some very good specials going on at Lulabee's Diner. So, again, lunch or dinner, lunch or breakfast, I should say, at Lulabee's Diner at the Green Tree uh, Shopping Center. Well, the President Donald Trump has released his second term agenda on yesterday, sharing it with an email to journalists, and he's promising more of the same policy he pursued during his first, first four years as president. He wants to create more jobs. End COVID-19, defend police officers, end illegal immigration, and stop endless wars. 
The president also calls for the passage of congressional term limits, school choice, and ending America's economic reliance on China, which is pretty remarkable. You think about this, just those few words, and how it compares and contrasts to what happened in the Democratic Convention. They didn't talk about policies at all. It's because they're just not, uh, you can't digest them. They're not things that you can really embrace. Things like Medicare for all, well, one care one uh, one uh, health care server for uh, for all Americans, something like Medicare. Uh, also, open borders, uh, the uh, uh, health care for everyone, uh, the Green New Deal, the the whole the whole notion of what they represent right now. Of course, uh, as as uh, Seton pointed out earlier, he, he's going to become a mouthpiece, and we're talking about uh, Biden for the very left. Uh, agenda. So we, we really need to embrace President Donald Trump's, uh, his campaign to become president. Jobs, he wants to create 10 million new jobs in 10 months. He wants to create 1 million new small businesses. Now he realizes he can't do that, but he can create an environment where that can happen. And of course, uh, the, the President Obama, when uh, Trump made the, his, his uh, claims that he was going to increase new jobs, he says, what's he going to do? Use a ma- magic wand? Well, Obama didn't understand how the free market works. He did not understand uh, the economy and the power of the, of the private sector and unleashing the power when taxes are reduced. Trump did understand that, and he did it. So uh, he's also going to cut taxes to boost take-home pay and keep jobs in America. He's going to enact fair trade deals that protect American jobs and make in America tax credits, expand opportunity zones. These are all great things. Continue deregulatory agenda for energy independence. So this is just in the area of jobs. And then when it comes to eradicating COVID-19, here's his plan. Develop a vaccine by the end of 2020. Return to normal in 2021. Make all critical medicines and supplies for healthcare workers in the United States and refill stockpiles and prepare for future pandemics. And then he wants to end the reliance on China, bring back a million manufacturing jobs from China, tax credits for companies that bring back jobs from China, allow 100% expensing deductions for essential industries like pharmaceuticals and robotics who bring back their manufacturing to the United States, no federal contracts for companies who outsource to China and hold China fully accountable for allowing the virus to spread around the world. Pretty powerful agenda from the president. Then in the health care, he wants to cut, to cut prescription drug prices, put patients and doctors back in charge of our health care system, lower health care insurance premiums, and end surprise billing. He also wants to cover all pre-existing conditions, protect Social Security and Medicare, protect our veterans, and provide world-class health care and services. Pretty powerful agenda there in health care. And then when it comes to education, this is so important. Provide school choice to every child in America. Wouldn't that be wonderful, especially during this pandemic, for parents to be able to say, you know, instead of sending them to public schools, I think I'll send them to a charter school where they have more uh, where they take care of the kids but also provide exceptional education. And then he also has, as a, as a bullet point for his education program, Teach American Exceptionalism. And, of course, the 1619 Project and all the things that are going on in our public schools are doing everything but encouraging and, and uh, bringing about pride in being an American wants to restore that uh, f- for, the, uh, for public education. And then Drain the Swamp past congressional term limits, and bureaucratic government bullying of U.S. citizens and small businesses, expose Washington's money trail and delegate powers back to people and states, and drain the globalist swamp by taking on international organizations that hurt American citizens. And then, of course, defend the police, fully fund and hire more police and law enforcement officers, increase criminal penalties for, uh, for assaults on law enforcement officers, prosecute drive-by shootings as act of, acts of domestic terrorism, bring violent extremist groups like Antifa to justice, and end cashless bail and, and dangerous criminal lockup uh, until trial. And then also end illegal immigration and protect American workers. What a great lineup uh, of, uh, of programs and initiatives for the president he has for his next term, as opposed to lawlessness uh, from the Democrat Party. I really have a great faith that the president will be re- reelected by the American people.
Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm also hopeful that I can record it and and, uh, put it online so that people can listen at any time they want to. Uh, last couple of times I've tried it, it has been garbled. I don't know why, and I'm hopeful that uh, I figured out safety precautions to make sure it can happen this time. Join us uh, tomorrow. We have great guests. Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, will be with us. Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, will be joining us as well. He's also the author of How It All Happened, Including Us. Uh, We'll enjoy our interview with Larry as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.